somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. Well, let's stand to our feet. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Thank God for those of you that are joining us here in person. And for those of you who are joining us via online a live stream. Welcome to Thursday night Bible study. Amen. I'm glad to be here and I'm glad to get into the word of God. Amen. The word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The word of God should be the authority in our life. I don't know how often we think about that and realize when we are looking for answers, we're not sure what to do. Even sometimes when, you know, different topics of conversation come up and you may not have the right uh, thought toward what's being discussed, uh, what you want to do is look in the Word of God and see what it says. Because that's the authority that we're supposed to live by. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. So... When we follow the word of God, we're following God. And that is important. Amen. Well, let's go before the Lord in prayer tonight and seek his face and seek his will. Challenge ourselves tonight. Amen. I have to tell you, as a Christian, you can never become comfortable and complacent wherever you are. doesn't matter how long you've been living for God. You should always challenge yourself in Christ. You have to realize that where you are in God, there is a whole lot more that you can know and how further you can go in Christ. Even if you are doing great, there's so much more to the Lord that we should be seeking after in order to go where he's taken us. The Bible says, seek and you shall find. So what the Lord is telling us is, That we're constantly supposed to search, constantly supposed to inquire, because there is so much depth to the Lord and there's so much that he has in store that we must continue to seek so we can know. And my challenge that I challenge myself all the time is I just don't want to read the word of God, remember the word of God, understand the word of God. And not live according to the word of God. So that's where I challenge myself all the time. Say, God, all right, I studied the word. I know what it says. I understand it. Now, how do I get this to work in my life every day? How do I get this implemented in my life that I'm not just saying it, remembering it, speaking it, but I'm living it? And as as simple as it might sound sometimes, Living out what you know in the scripture, living out what you've heard in the scripture, living out what you understand in the scripture is not just, it's not so easy. If it was easy, we would see a lot of people thriving in Christ. So it's not easy, but if you will challenge yourself and how desperate do you become to say, God, I just want to be better at implementing the word of God in my life and living it out. I just need to go even deeper in the word of God. How desperate are you and how much do you hunger and thirst to get to that place in God where he wants you to be? It's not even about what happens when you get to that place. 
It's about knowing that that's where he wants you. Where you where you are today, I'm sure probably for all of us, where we are today is not where God wants us to be. He has so much more for us. And so where we are today is not where God wants us to be. I'm sure he wants to take us into a deeper place in him. And so we need to figure out and ask him, how does that happen? What does that look like? How do we get there, Lord? We know the word. We hear the word. We we understand the word. But how do we allow that word to get into our heart and become a part of us and take us where we need to go, where we're living it out, where we become, Brother Kellerman, the living epistle, right? That's what the word says. We're living epistle. But I just don't want to quote that scripture. I want to live a Christian life where you're reading me. Wow, I'm, I'm scripture. All of us. That's what it means by we're living epistle. Do you know, you know, after, after Acts and we get into Romans and Corinthians and all of that, those are the epistles. We read the epistles. So when we become a living epistle, people are reading us. The life that we live, they're reading it. <laughs> That's where I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to get to help me, Jesus. So let's pray and ask God to help us get there tonight. Father, we love you. We thank you for allowing us to come together one more time. Oh God, you are great and greatly to be praised. You are our sustainer, our keeper, Lord God. You are our God, our master, our ruler, Lord God. You are the giver of life and the sustainer of our soul. Oh, Lord, we magnify your name tonight. And, oh, God, we exalt your name together, Lord. For the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Oh, God, your name is great and greatly to be praised. Demons tremble at the mentioning of your name. So, Jesus, we just call on that magnificent name. Jesus, we call on that most holy name. Jesus, we call on that heavenly name name. Jesus, we call on that name that saves. Jesus, we call on that name that heals. Jesus, we call on that name that delivers. Jesus, we call on that name that empowers and strengthens. And oh God, here we are tonight, humbling ourselves before you, crying out to you, Lord God, to say, have your way tonight. Oh God, consume us from within us and consume us outside of us Lord we want your power and your glory to overshadow us Lord God it is our desire great God to walk upright to walk almighty God according to your statutes according to your word oh God it is our desire to please you Lord God and to take the word of God and implement it in our life Lord To allow the word to grow and to produce good fruit in us. To let the word of God become a part of us. And that we now, Lord God, will become the living epistle. Oh God, knowing and read of all men, Lord, have your way this evening, oh God. Move upon us tonight, Lord Jesus, and we can be transformed. And we can be moved by your spirit, oh God. Oh Father, we pray. Pray that you will forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
forgiveness and purge us from all iniquity. In the name of Jesus Christ, oh God, have your way tonight. Will you speak to us individually and collectively? Reveal the mystery of the scriptures tonight, Lord God. That change will come into our heart. Understanding will come into our mind. And oh God, you will show us how we can implement the word of God in our everyday living, Lord God. In our everyday life, Lord. We want your word, Lord God, to manifest in our actions, oh God. Oh, Father, have your way tonight. We give you praise, oh God. Bless our time of being together. Pour out your spirit, almighty God, in this place. And let your power, oh God, be unleashed. We love you, Lord. We don't want to leave this place tonight. We don't want to end our Bible study tonight without something happening deep down in our soul. Without something, Lord God, stirring and moving us. Without hearing the voice of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, glory be to God. Glory, hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Blessed be your holy name. Lord, your God almighty, and you're high and lifted up. You sit on the throne, and your train fills the temple. Oh, great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. Jesus, you're from everlasting to everlasting. Everlasting. Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. Jesus, you are the mighty God. And we praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Have your way, Lord God, tonight in us, Lord. Upon us, let your will be done, Father, as we give you the praise and the honor. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Lord is our strength. The Lord is our strength. The Lord is our source. And, oh, God, we give you the praise. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Yes, Lord, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. You're glorious, oh God. You're righteous, oh God. Oh, Lord, it is you that sit up on the circle of the earth. And we bless your name. We praise your name. Jesus, there is none like you. Jesus, there is none like you. Jesus, there is none like you. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You are the resurrection and the life. We praise your name, O oh God. Great and mighty is your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. One more time, let's clap our hands to the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Just quick, oh, by the way, or announcement, this Sunday, Brother Izzy, this Sunday, you'll see a gentleman in the parking lot by the name of Alan Checktail. If you see him, 
you can go up to him and say, good morning, my name is Izzy. Good to have you this morning. Alan will be in the parking lot, and Alan is our guy that um, worked for Hamilton Township in the township building for many years. He ran the building, and now he's got his own company, um, Checktail Planners, and he represents this church in our pursuit for our youth variants. Uh, we have a great team. They charge as a great team, but we have a great team. <laughs> we have a great team of people that represent this church. <laughs> Help us, Lord. You all, you, listen, trust me, you all have the best that you can get that represents you right now for our youth variants. So Alan did this um, recognizance, not probably in October, and he's so sharp that he's saying, you know what, Wayne, since we're close, I'm going to do it again because I don't want them to say, recognizance that you did in October, things have changed from October till now, so this is not good anymore. So he said, you know what, I'm going to do a recent one and um, make that a part of the plan that we're submitting to the township. So what he's doing is he's looking to see how many cars is parked on Sunday morning um, for first service and second service because this is part of what you present to the Hamilton Township Board to say, um, the parking spaces are plenty that we have over there because here are the number of cars that we have on um, Sundays. And, um, you know, and you got to put them all together because we're going to one service. So he's going to say, you know, here is the amount of cars that um, that comes into our church services. And so that's far below um, the need um, or the spaces that um, we now have. So he's just doing his due diligence. So if you see him, just say hello to him. He's just doing his thing. Um, so he told me this evening when I spoke to him, he said he can see probably early June that this thing should um, be done, early June. So that's good and that's scary. <laughs> so by early June, he expects to um, <laughs> get the youth variance, which means we, we have probably till early July to make the transaction of purchasing the property. So, as you know, we're trying to raise our down payment because that's what the challenge is, is to raise our down payment. And uh, we're trusting God, but wherever you have the money hidden, please go get it. <laughs> we're not far off now. So, now is the time if we were holding on, I'm talking to myself now, if we're waiting on, um, you know, approaching some of the people we know that can help, now is the time because that's the word that we got um, from Alan today that he believes that um, early June um, that we should get our youth variants, which means we have a little bit after that to make the transaction. Um, I'm, I'm not worried. Uh, I trust the Lord. I really do. I'm not just saying it in front of you. Um, I don't believe God brought us this far um, just to leave us. Um, but I just believe that we need to do our part. That's what you've been hearing me say, that whatever we can do. So um, if you will trust God and you will have faith, whatever you give to God, trust me, you'll get it back tenfold or more. So you don't have to worry. As a matter of fact, I will go ahead and tell you, you might have a nice little investment going. And you can only get but so much because if you win the normal worldly investment, it goes up and down. Because your investment is predicated on how the stock market go. 
right? So sometimes it's, it's thriving, and other times you see a loss. I look at my 401k all the time, and I see every once in a while where I take a hit. And then there are months where I see, ooh, this is pretty good. And so that's just kind of how it goes because the stock market dictates um, how your investment go. So um, my point of sharing that with you, you put some of that money in the kingdom of God. And you won't have to worry taking a hit. You won't have to worry about the stock market, you know, every once in a while going down. I know for sure if you will give in faith like that, God will give back to you way more than what the stock market will give you on your investment. So take a chance. Um, it's not a chance. That's what they say in the world. But um, trust God and you will see a great return. But we're close and it's going to happen. Doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It's going to happen. We've had um, we've had many um, dreams and visions that have already confirmed us being in the building, and the, the fuse that we've been getting recently is dead on. Um, so dreams and visions have been already given about that property. So God is going to take care of it. I don't know how He's going to take care of it, but He's going to take care of it. So get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. All right. Um, Okay, let's get into our study. We've been talking about strategic evangelism made practical. I said I will be teaching for a few weeks on that. Strategic evangelism made, pro made practical. And um, I entitled it this because we're talking about um, strategic ways of touching our world, of helping them to know who Christ is. We're talking about strategic ways on how to do that. But usually when you say strategic, it means, you know, it may be detailed or, you know, it's going to be something that, you know, is kind of um, has to connect and you got to, you know, keep up, follow through and see what's going on. And so, yes, in, in, in some respect, that's what we're talking about here. But you're also going to get practical instructions on what we're talking about tonight, practical instructions and the strategic teaching of evangelism. We, we read Matthew chapter 5, verse number 13 through 16, and the scripture says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing. So if we're salt and we are not being flavorful, then what good are we? But to be cast out, I'm not saying this, this is the word of God, and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. As Christians, why are you trying to dumb down who you are to try to draw the world? You, you hear me say it all the time. You have to be more of who you are in order to affect our world. And this is saying we are the light. And light cannot be hidden, but we try to hide our light because we're trying to get people to buy into us. If you are like them, they're not buying into you because they think they're better than you when you're like them. But when you're like Jesus wants you to be, they know they're not like you. <laughs> Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and it give it light unto all that are in the house. Let your light shine so bright, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which 
is in heaven. And what we started doing, we, we, we started talking about salt first as, you know, because the, the Bible told us that what we just read, that we are salt and we are light. And we wanted to deal with the salt first because that's what it told us first. And so we said, um, what can salt do when we say salt can make you thirsty, mm -hmm, right? We said salt enhances the, the, the uh, food by adding flavor to it. And we said salt is a great preserver. It preserves things. Um, and, you know, we talked about, you know, back in the day when refrigerator wasn't so prevalent that people had to, you know, pour salt on their meat to keep it a little longer than usual if you didn't have a refrigerator, okay? We said most of all, salt must have high potency, right? And it, it, it must be in close proximity to have effect, right? So can you imagine you have some salt? You probably have done this as cooks before. You know, you're seasoning up some food right here. If you're close proximity, you season it up, the salt, get on it and get where it got to go. But if you start backing off of that meat, and start throwing the salt, eh, a little bit might get there, but it won't be seasoned. It won't be flavorful as it would be when it is closer and affecting the food. So if we're salt, which we are as Christians, then we have to be in close proximity of the thing that we're trying to make flavorful, which are people. And so in order for us to be effective as salt, we have to be in close proximity of that which we're trying to salt. Amen? Make sense? We also said high potency Christian have some essential traits. So if you are salt, you have certain kind of traits that needs to be known. Those traits are authenticity, compassion, and sacrifice. We talked about that. And so we said, we went through looking at those three uh, traits of high potency Christian, which are Christians that are supposed to be who they are, salt. And we're supposed to be authentic. Uh, when we say we are authentic, it means that our, our identity must be authentic. Okay? Our emotional life must be authentic you know you know what does that mean it means that sometimes you could be experiencing something emotional you don't have to hide that it's okay we're normal the bible says jesus wept when lazarus was dead so he was authentic so his emotion when he was on the cross he he, he demonstrated his emotional ways and so us as christians we don't have to cover up when we're going through something, we don't have to try to hide and make ourselves seem like we're okay. You're not being an authentic Christian. And the Lord wants us to be authentic because in your authenticity, people will be able to identify with you. I have seen it in the past where people attend churches where the pastor is the pastor is not authentic. Best way I can say it. And so what that means is the, the, the folks that are in that church after a while become discouraged. Because they're listening to someone preaching to them that seems perfect. 
And in their mind, I can never be perfect because I know all of my struggles. And what he's telling me is that I need to be perfect. And look at him. He's even perfect. I will never be able to do it. So, you know, the, the, the couple of times you get a chance to hear another preacher that is authentic and bear his weaknesses at times and show his emotion at times. You said, I need to go to that church. Because that's real. He kept it real. While the other pastor, always strong, not, never wrong. I got it together. And you're like, can't nobody be that good. So as, as a Christian, we're supposed to be authentic in our identity, authentic in our emotional life, authentic in our confess, confession. Yeah, I was, I, I was tired last week. And so I wasn't really spiritual. Didn't pray the way I wanted to because the tiredness just weighed down on me. And, and I didn't feel like when I read the word, I connected like I connect at other times because I was just tired last week. I'm not saying that's me. I was tired last week, but I, don't, I, I felt good last week. I got to be honest with you. But I'm just saying there, I've had those days. That's why I'm saying it. I've had those days when I'm just like, man, I'm just worn out. And when you're tired, you're not connecting like you need to, right? You're not praying effective like you normally pray. When So these are things that you can confess. Authent- when you are authentic, you, 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 you have convictions, you know? You have to say what you believe. You, you can't act like, you know, you're okay with stuff. You got to say what you believe. People respect you when you speak up of your convictions. We have had this thing wrong for so long. So many of us have been trained up from what we saw or what we were taught to just not ruffle feathers and to just go with the flow, even if it means that, you know, you deny, you know, what you're all about and what you represent. And we bring that kind of personality in the church where we're just like, eh, we don't speak up. Speak up. It's your conviction. It's all right. Compassion. We said, you know, a, a, a high-potency Christian must be authentic. They must have compassion and sacrifice. Compassion. You have to have compassion. How you live your life, do you live it with compassion? <laughs> Did Jesus have any weakness? No. But if you had to say Jesus had a weakness, it was us. (laughs) You don't have any weakness. But if you want to just say Jesus had a weakness, it only could be us. What does that mean, preacher? He loves us so much that every time we mess up, he's making a way for us to get out of the mess we made. Any weakness that God has shown, it's always containing or pertaining to us. Why am I saying that to you? Because since people were a priority to him, people better be a priority to us. We can't worry about people taking advantage of us as Christians, as salt. We can't worry about people you know, manipulating us if they can. When you become a Christian, you're not worried about what they do. You're worried about what you're doing to please the Lord. 
And when you are living to please God, it doesn't matter what people do to you. But if you're trying to please God and please yourself at the same time, that every time you get your feelings hurt, you back up. When you back up off of whatever you're supposed to be doing for God, when you get your feelings hurt, you had too much of you in that process. There was too much of you in it. But when you're doing it for the Lord and you get hurt, it doesn't even bother you because I'm not doing that for, for me or for anybody else. I am trying my best to please Jesus. So I'm not going to let my hurt feelings stop me from going forward. And so we must be compassionate. But it means that we must care about people. It, must, it means when we're compassionate, how we give. How do you give? Leftovers. What you don't want. You give it mean because you really didn't want to give it. When you receive something, how appreciative are you? That's compassion. How appreciative are you when someone gives you something? You're too big to say, thank you, I really appreciate it. Where's your compassion? Sacrifice. Here's it. If we are going to be high-potency Christians, we must be authentic. We must have compassion and we must sacrifice. The first sacrifice we need to think about is of our time. You know what's funny about that time thing? We try to take up all our time for all ourselves. And the question a lot of time is, what did we even accomplish with it? We're not like these, some of these high functioning people. I know some guys, I don't know them. I know of guys in our world that are what we would consider well-accomplished people. And they don't let a minute go by without them doing something that accomplishes something. So if we think we can outdo them, we're, we're crazy. Or if we think that we are accomplishing worldly things with our time given to it, we're crazy. Because there are people that they're so focused on when they wake up, what do they do? I mean, oh my goodness, who was it? Mark Cubans and... Elon Musk and all these guys, they didn't arrive where they are because they just arrived there. They're doing stuff like they said, you know, you wake up at a certain time and, you know, you got to check emails between this time and this time. I mean, everything they do is is down to the seconds. Here's what I will do when I will do it, how I will do it. Boom, that's done. Let's do it. Because when they're done with their day, they have to look back and say, how many, how many things did I accomplish? Did I accomplish everything I set out to? So we need to start reevaluating our time because we're taking up our time for ourselves. But what are we really accomplishing? We take our time for ourselves and we don't want anybody messing with us. But what are we accomplishing? But when you sacrifice that time for Christ, believe me, you're accomplishing more than you can even imagine. What else do we need to sacrifice? We need to sacrifice our resources. Uh-huh. Sacrifice our resources. I said all the time. What you like a lot is what you sometimes have to give away. Not what you don't want. Yes. That's sacrifice. Then you have to sacrifice lifestyle. Here's the big one. Lifestyle. That's part of your sacrifice. 
Remember, I told you people don't want to do, don't want to live holy today because it's a sacrifice. You know, I said I, I pick on the ladies a lot because they have more challenges in this area. But ladies always say, "Oh, I just want to run out the house for a second. I don't see the need to, you know, put this on or put that on." Sacrifice. But if you're living a life of sacrifice unto Christ, you know what you say? Doesn't matter. I don't care if I'm just running out. I'm going to make sure I always present myself when I go out. That's how I feel. Every time I walk out of my house, I said, I don't know who I will run into. And I want to be an effective witness. That's all I think about. I'm not thinking about anything else. I just want to make sure whatever God wants to do when I step out of the doors of my home, whoever I run into, I don't want them to look me up and down and says, man. You look terrible. I don't need to listen to you about God because you, you look like you fell off. I'm just, I'm just being real with you. It, 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 it's amazing how people think about people that they listen to or not listen to. And so when you get out there and you're just regular or you're not up to what you're supposed to be up to, they, they don't want to hear from you. So you just missed your witness. You just disappointed God. Because what you could have done, if you would have been looking the part, you would have been effective. But because you decided to abandon that day because you didn't want to sacrifice, you can't be what God wanted you to be. And, we, and so we're struggling with these things that is, where's your sacrifice? Where's your sacrifice? Close proximity relationships. Jesus spent most of his time with those outside of the religious establishment. Sinners, that he may impact their life by being himself around them. It is great to come together on Thursday night for Bible study. It is great to be together on Sunday mornings for worship service and Saturday evenings for prayer or when we have our picnic or our banquet. These are great places to be because the atmosphere is so clean and we don't have to worry about dirty jokes or we don't have to worry about nobody cursing and making them feel uncomfortable. We don't have to worry about people being angry and just going off. And so it is great to be together. But we're Christians. That's how it's supposed to be. But if we're always together, what's happening to the people that are not Christians and they need to become Christians? Jesus knew that. And so Jesus made sure he spent some time with people that weren't Christians. And his, he was intentional. Now, not, now, let's not, you know, be crazy about it. You know us. Well, I know it. Y'all sipping wine with people and sitting at their table says, yeah, I was just trying to be a witness. <laughs> that's not what Jesus did. He didn't go around them and do what they did, right? He didn't go around them and smoke a joint with them. <laughs> when he went around them, he went around them with the intention to, 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 to be authentic. He went around them to be authentic, to be salt and light. That's why he went around them, because he knew they were in darkness, and in order for them to see their way out, they needed him. And it's the same thing with us. We need to do a better job getting around unsaved people so they can see our light, so we can be salt, and so they can see an opportunity to get out of their circumstance, their situation. But if we're not around, how do they see to know they can get out? We got to get around them a little bit more. 
And sometimes it might not mean you go to them. Sometimes it might mean you have them come to you. Okay? Sometimes it just might be you have them come to you. So what that could mean sometimes, what that looks like sometimes, is you can invite them over to your house for a cookout. You can invite them over to your house for dinner. You, you, you can take them out to a restaurant for dinner. Now you bring them into your environment so you can be salt and light to them. It costs us something. Remember I said, you know, there's sacrifice. It's going to cost you your resources. It's going to cost you your time. And so sometimes we have to invite people out to say, come on, I want to have dinner with you. Where do you want to eat? Anywhere you want. Then you pick your place and you take out a group of people to go out and eat and be salt and light. It's going to cost you some money and it's going to cost you your time. But the bottom line is the question you have to ask yourself, am I being like Jesus? Am I being salt and am I being light? There are barriers that gets in the way of us trying to build a relationship and trying to get close to people, close proximity to be salt and light around them. And so we have to, yes, be mindful of those things. And so sometimes, you know, biblical issues, you know, you know, people like to say, well, I can't believe in that stuff. I don't want to talk to y'all Christians, all y'all hypocrites, you know that. Then they got the whole thing. I don't know how y'all can serve a God that, you know, he see all this that's wrong and he won't even do anything about it. So you got all that kind of stuff going on. Right. And also, too, some of the um, issue is some of you, um, the barrier that keeps you from being around these people is because you're worried about your reputation. Huh. Alan was telling me this story today. I was talking to him. He said he was doing the same thing for a church that was predominantly black. Um, I forgot where he said he was doing. So he was sitting outside and he was watching. And before he knew it, um, policemen roll up on him. Sir, can we see some ID? (laughs) We want to know what what are you doing here? So apparently someone saw him and called the cops. And... I shook my head as he was telling me that because my thought is if we're a church and we're Christians and somebody's outside the doors of the church, I would hope that we would walk up to them and say, good morning. (laughs) My name is Wayne. How are you today? Are you here for our church service? You know, and just start having the conversation. Then you will know why the guy was there, right? (laughs) But sometimes we're worried about our reputation who we're seeing talking to. But when you care about people's souls, when you care about being authentic and being who God called you to be, you can't worry about reputation. Jesus didn't worry about his reputation because he knew the mission that he was on. And so if you and I are going to be like Jesus, we can't worry about our reputation because of who we may be talking to. We know we're talking to them and telling them about Christ. Now, I got to throw this in. If you are a man, you got to be careful being around a woman by yourself. You don't want to do that. And if you're a woman, you got to be careful being around a man by yourself. You don't want to do that, even if you have the right intention. Bring somebody else with you to make sure you don't have to worry about it. High-potency Christians, remember, high-potency Christians are authentic, compassionate, and sacrificial. 
I don't know. If, let me share this text with you about being authentic. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 11. This is a good portion of scripture to kind of highlight to understand what it means to be authentic. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, but when Peter was come to Antioch, I would withstood him to the face. This is Paul. Because he was to be blamed. For before that, certain came from James. He did eat with the Gentiles. Come on now. This is Peter. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou be a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as to the Jews? Here is what Paul was saying. He's saying, now Peter was being a witness. Remember that whole deal where um, Cornelius sent for Peter. Peter is a Jew. Cornelius is a Gentile. And so they sent for, God told Cornelius to tell, to go send for one Peter of Joppa. God gave Peter a vision while he was up on the roof. And so he knew he could go and talk to the Gentiles. So here he is breaking bread with the Gentiles and being a witness unto the Gentiles. But, you know, he developed relationship with them. And one day when he was hanging out with them and fellowshipping with them, he saw some of his other Jewish brothers in Christ. And he decided, I can't let them see me with them. That's what happened. And so he tried to scurry and get away from them. But Paul saw him. And so Paul is calling them out. Say, yo, you around here trying to preach the word, talking about this and talking about that. But the bottom line is, why would you even try to preach to the Gentiles about, you know, Christ when you are being kind of a hypocrite? That's what Paul was doing. So Paul was being an authentic Christian by telling Peter, come on, man, don't be doing that. If you're there to be a witness, be a witness. Why are you trying to hide that you spend time with the Jews? With the Gentiles. Why are you trying to hide that, that you are around them and you break bread with them? Instead of just saying you're ministering to them and some of them got saved. Instead of just telling the truth, you're still hung up on, yeah, I'm a Jew and they're Gentiles. I don't want nobody to see me with them. That's what was going on. And so Paul called him out. Paul was being an authentic Christian. Peter, I like his character. Obviously, it's real, so it's not, you know. Um, fictitious what I like about Peter's character not that I want to be like Peter what I mean by that is Peter when you read about him you realize this is not just Bible story this is real stuff Peter made life real because he was so complicated Peter was very complicated he was a man of God gung-ho about the Lord but he had some ways that wasn't good no he had some ways that wasn't good 
when, 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 when Christ was crucified and he denied him and he cried after he denied him, you know what he went to do? He went to go fish. Almost like, ah, I guess it's over now. Let me go fish. So he's a complicated fella, as we know. But somehow, this is what is interesting about God. Somehow, though, with all of that craziness with Peter, God gave him the keys to preach the first message of salvation to the church. With all the craziness about Peter, God says, you will preach the first message to the church. That should give us all hope. And that's what I mean by let's not try to hide our imperfection because Peter was a mess. But God still decides you will preach the first message to the church. So you don't have to worry about, you know, whatever is wrong with you. All God is wanting you to do is take what's wrong with you to him. And not just take it in conversation, but take it sincerely and genuinely say, God, I'm a mess in this area and I want to be delivered from this. And I want to get right in this area. Take it to him. He's okay. He can handle your mess. But don't cover it up and act like you don't have a mess going on. Show him the mess. Talk to him about the mess. He can take care of the mess. But when you have the mess and you're not, you're not trying to get the mess straightened out. You're not seeking him and not trying. And guess what? You know if you're trying. I don't need to know. You know. And God knows. You and God know if you're sincere about taking your mess and your imperfections to him to get it right. That's between you and him. But just understand, he's not asking you to be perfect. He's just asking you to continue in him and bring your burdens and your cares. Just bring it to him. Sincerely, though, he will help you. So I like this passage there about being authentic. I really do. I, I think it, it, it shows us, you know, what it's all about when you are being authentic. When you are authentic in your identity, you don't repress your God-given uniqueness in order to appear spiritual. I'll say that again. When you are authentic as a Christian in your identity of who you are, you will not repress your God-given uniqueness in order to appear spiritual. Praise the Lord, Brother Wayne. How are you? Blessed and highly favored. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. I'm doing fantastic. Okay. I'm not saying that doesn't happen some days. I'm not saying that doesn't happen some days. Trust me, I'm not saying that. But it's got to be a day you walk in. Hey, brother, how you doing? Not good today. Just been a hard day, hard week. A matter of fact, you'd be an authentic you. And if they want to take it and say, man, I thought sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so, I thought they were spiritual. Because that's what we, that's Christian stuff. Christians know what I'm talking about. I thought they were spiritual. They talking about they going through this or they going through that. Man, we got a lot of work to do because we're a mess. You know, somebody being their authentic self and now you want to go talk about them. Okay. It's, it's your loss to go and talk about them because you're not realizing they're being their authentic self. They're being who God said they are and you trying to be, you know, brother so-and-so always blessed and highly favored. Mm -hmm. Yep. Got the devil on the run. 
<laughs> Authentic emotional life, we must have that. Don't try to deny or characterize your feelings in order to appear more spiritual. Right? Express yourself. It's okay. It's okay. We talked about being authentic in your confession. Deal honestly with your failures. We talked about that. Authentic conviction. Sinners are not impressed. I like this one. When when you are authentic in your conviction, sinners will sinners are not impressed by spinelessness. <laughs> Stand up for your beliefs. We trick ourselves. We, we, we trick ourselves sometimes. We think by compromising in some of our behaviors and some of the things that we do, we think that helps draw people, Christians, to, I mean sinners. We, we think that helps. And I'm here to tell you, the more you try to compromise and try to work with sinners, to, to think that you can save them that way, the less effective you will be. Just be who you are. And whatever your convictions are as a Christian, just live it out and speak it out. Because people may not at the very first time when you do that, accept it. And they might even kind of shun you for a while after that. But what they will know is you the truth. I remember when I was living for God and after a while, you know, your family start realizing he's serious. And I remember my youngest brother. I don't know how my little brother won't live for God. I don't even understand it. But anyway, he would go around and talk to people and they would say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Right. And he would talk to them and then he would watch them. Later on, he'll go back to them and say, you ain't no Christian like my brother. He ain't no real Christian. My brother a real Christian. He ain't coming to church. He ain't listening to me. You know, he ain't doing the word of God. But he's telling those people that he think they're not authentic. He's telling them, ah, you ain't a real Christian. I know a real Christian. Who's a real Christian? My brother a real Christian. You follow what I'm saying? So even though you might not see the re- direct, direct result of them, you know, saying, you know, I respect you or I like that you stand up for who you are as a Christian, they do. And if you do it any other way, they don't have the same respect for you. Just be who you are. Your convictions of a Christian, just just live it out. Wear it on your sleeve. Don't hide anything. Compassion. Y'all might say the good Samaritan went over the top, but I can relate to the good Samaritan. In Luke chapter 10, you can't get no better compassion passage of scripture than this in Luke chapter 10 verse 33 the Bible says but a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was and when he saw him he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn And took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host. And said unto him, take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more. When I come again, 
I will repay thee. Remember, the church people, the religious people, if you started early up in the text, the, 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 the church people, religious people, they saw him and crossed over on the other side of the road. And then this Samaritan that, quote unquote, is supposed to be uh, not a religious or Christian person, helped the man. The man had to be going somewhere. This good Samaritan had to be going somewhere, just like the other two religious people were going somewhere. And so the other two religious people decide, ah, got some place to go. Don't have time for that right now. And they went about their ways. This person, mm, I got somewhere to go, but I can't leave this man right here. Compassion. And he got off of his beast and put the man on his beast. Took the man to the inn, took care of him, and then gave the innkeeper extra. Hey, hold on to this. He's going to stay here for a little bit. Take care of him until he's well. If you spend anything more, I'll come back and I'll give you. So when he left, he had every intention of coming back. His resource and his time was big. His sacrifice was big. And that's the story that you need to dig into and see in the Good Samaritan story is the resource of sacrifice, of money, and, 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 and your time. He sacrificed so that man wouldn't die. That's in the physical. You know I'm coming. That's in the physical. And as we know, physical death is just the beginning of eternal death if you're not saved. And so we need to focus on people's soul. How can we save their soul? That's the most important thing in this life and even outside of this life is the soul of men. Because the soul of men came from God. And that's the thing that lives on forever. We give a lot of emphasis, put a lot of emphasis on the physical. Oh, we got to keep them from dying. We should. We should. Not belittling that. But that's not more important than the soul. We need to put more emphasis than we're putting on saving souls. Because death for one that's saved is just, it's wonderful. As opposed to death for one that is unsaved. Sacrifice is important, as we say. We've got to sacrifice time and resources and lifestyle. Again, salt must be in close proximity to have an effect. As salt makes a difference in people's food, so light makes a difference in their surroundings. Jesus came as the light of all people and would later explain, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Christ's disciples must live for Christ, shining like lights in a dark world. Showing clearly what Christ is like. 
Who could hide a city that is sitting on top of a hill? Lanterns glowing from behind, its walls send a light at night that can be seen for miles. Because Jesus is the light of the world, his followers must reflect his light. If we live for Christ, we will glow like lights. A lady that I've never met before. Last Friday evening, there are new pastors in our district. Never met her before. She came up to me and says, as you were preaching Friday evening, I saw the glory of the Lord over you. I saw this great light. I saw just something over you, just moving over you. She said this is what she saw Friday night. And so Saturday when we went to our meetings and the voting went on, she, she came up to me and says, I knew this because while you were preaching, God confirmed it. Friday night. This is what she saw. This is not me. I'm just sharing a story with you. I believe what this word says, that if we live for Christ, we will glow like lights. That's the point. And whether they're Christians or they're not, they will see us no matter what darkness they're in, no matter what's going on in their life. When they see us, they will see hope because when you're in a dark place and light is far off, you begin to say, oh, I see light. I see my way out. And when people see us, they need to see their way out. Whatever they're involved in, whatever they're bound by, when they see us, they're supposed to now have hope because they're seeing their way out. If we're not around, they can't see their way out. If we're not showing up, they feel hopeless. But when we show up, the world will have hope because we are the light of the world. And when we show up, we give them hope. But we have to be like Christ. We have to be like Christ. He was the light of the world, and we should be the light of the world also. We're salt and light, church. And we have to affect this world like God called us to affect the world. If we will just live for Christ, our impact on society will be beyond your understanding. Sometimes what happens, Sister Kellerman, is we think about these things and we read these things. And, you know, we start to think about ourselves and say, I just can't even see me like that. And sometimes that's what happens. You know, you remember the spies? We, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. We see ourselves so small sometimes. And you know what? Sometimes that's not a bad thing. But what you got to realize is it's not who you are, but it's whose you are. And so as, as no matter what you might think of yourself, you just have to stop and say, God, whatever your plan is, though, I want to be a part of it. Whatever you're doing in this life, I want to be used by you. I know I don't have the, 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 the know-how, the knowledge, and the ability to do the things that I think needs to be done. But I know one thing, if you will work in me and work through me, I know you will do greater than I can ever do. And so, God, just you. Use me because I am only a vessel. I don't have no talent. I don't have no ability. I don't have no pedigree. I don't know how to do this thing. I don't have nobody to walk me through step by step. But what I do have is you. And you can use me. You can use 
use anything. And so here I am, Lord. Just work through me. Here I am, Lord. I will just sacrifice my time. I will sacrifice myself. Here I am, Lord. Where do you want me to go? I'll go. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. Whatever you want me to give, I'll give. It's not our ability. It's okay that you realize, I I just don't see myself being able to be this, Izzy. It's okay. Just understand, it's not up to you. It's not up to you. It's up to him how he uses you. And you will look back at times and even wonder, is that me? I've been in situations still today. Ever so often, I feel like I'm having an out-of-the-body experience. I'm wondering, who am I? See, if you haven't been saved all your life, you might do the same I do. Who am I? Because I remember what I used to be. I remember who I used to be. And I don't know how I'm living this life. And that life is like, how did I cross over from that life to this life? And how this is my life? And, and, and what am I missing? It's like you don't even understand. Whatever God did, to what we say, transform you, you're like, I don't understand. It's not about you and your talent because... We, we slow to use, let God use us. We slow in being salt and light. And so we don't go and do what we're supposed to do because we're worried about who we are. We're all in that same boat. Most of us are in the same boat. We have a few. We have a few pedigree people. You know, we have a few. You know, Bradley, you pedigree. Jordan, you pedigree. You know, Ethan and all them, they pedigree. But most of us here tonight, we're not pedigree. God brought us in the way we are, and we only hear by the grace of God. And if we got to this point by the grace of God, then we shouldn't even worry about whatever else he can do through us. We just got to go with the flow. I think I'm going to quit in a second here. (laughs) Why would anyone try to hide light? Why? Why would anyone try to hide light? Jesus asked, unfortunately, many Christians do just that. Uh huh. How do you hide light? <laughs> it's just this. The Bible says, we're not of this world. Love not the world. Neither things are in the world. If, if any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. When you look like the world, you're hiding light. I'm trying my best to make the teaching of the word of God plain and clear so you know it. And it's not fancy where you leave and say, yeah, I'm not hiding this light. Well, when you look like the world, you're hiding the light. If they're in darkness and I look like them, I'm in darkness too. If they're in darkness and I look like them, they can't see no light. 
But if I'm going to be what God called me to be and do like God tell me to do, when they see me, oh, they see light. Because they're going to look and say, okay, that person don't look like me. That person don't look like me. The other day, I'm closing. The other day, I took my kids to school after a nice morning prayer. Said, because y'all hear me pray every morning about that. Every day I want to do something that I believe is God driven and led. And taking my kids in, dropped them off. And I saw this lady dropped her kids off. And she looked apostolic. I said, interesting. All right. And since I'm, I'm all church, I can't help it. I knew God was doing something. So I dropped the kids off leaving out. As I'm leaving, she just got in her Jeep, closed the door, pulled right up. Where do you go to church? Because she looked apostolic. Where do you go to church? I used to go to Faith Christian, but I haven't been in church in a long time. I, I, it took a lot to contain myself. Because it's like if Jesus was with me, you something else. I would have elbowed him. You something else. Because here I am thinking the girl is, the lady, is apostolic. Do how she look. What? Because she was going to a Baptist church, and she hadn't been there in a long time. I said, well, I want you to invite her. I want to invite you to our church. We'd love to have you. I believe you will enjoy it. Gave her one of the postcards. And she, and I just kept it moving. I said, Lord, I'm thankful because I prayed that morning to say, God, I want to meet up somebody. I want to show, I want to be light. I want to be salt. I want to be a witness. I pray these things every day. I'm not praying it because it's, it sounds good. I don't know if y'all praying because it sounds good to y'all. I'm praying because I really believe and I'm, I'm sincere about what I'm praying. So when I'm done that day, all right, I'm walking around taking my time. Waiting for something to happen. The other day, I'm still kicking myself because I'm like, I don't feel like I was ready, but I prayed. So the other day, went to Princeton on my lunch break or whatever break to go get some coffee. Because, I don't know. Princeton break, whatever. I don't know why I did that. But So now I find myself good every once in a while. I like to drive. I like to drive and just look around. And so I drive, got my coffee. I'm going back to my car, come back home. And I see this guy walking down the street. And I started smiling because I just felt like I knew the guy. I'm like, I know this guy. And I'm smiling, smiling. He's looking at me, and we're not saying, but smiling. And I walk. I said, I know you. How do I know you so well? Because I feel like I know you well. He grabbed my hand. Chris Christie. Y'all missed it? That was the governor of New Jersey. Ex governor of New Jersey. And we stood there. I said, Nick, how you doing? I'm talking to him like I, that's my buddy. <laughs> I'm, I don't know. I'm mad though. I didn't give him a card. So I'm there standing like my So what are you doing? How you been? I said, What are you up to right now? Well, I'm working, you know, trying to, you know, make money, being, you know, successful financially. I said, So when are we gonna hear from you again? Now, he wasn't my buddy. I, just, I don't know, but, you know, you love people. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know. I'm saying, I said, so when are we going to hear from you again? What are you going to do next? He said, oh, are you here? Are you here? I'll sooner or later, i get something going again. I said, man, well, it's good to see you. Good to see you. Shook his hand and kept moving. 
So they gave him a card. But my light was shining. I just know that. My light was shining. And he must have been like, who? I know he walked away and said, who was that guy? <laughs> my light was shining. We got to let our light shine. God wants to use us. And so you don't know where he's going to take you. Drive different routes. Do different things. Don't keep in your same routine always. Do something different and see if God do something. Be led of the spirit and not just led by what you know to do always and every day. We hide our light by being quiet when we should speak. We hide our light by going along with the crowd. We hide our light by denying truth. We hide our light by letting sin dim our witness for Christ. We hide our light by not explaining the truth to others. We hide our light when we ignore the needs of others. I know we all have different personalities, so I can't even, certain things I can't even tell you to do. Because me, I'm looking around trying to see how can I spark up a conversation. I'm ready to talk. I know. That's not all of us. But all of us are still salt and light. And so you need to be in close proximity to make sure people can experience the flavor of who you are. You need to be in close proximity so people can see light. Next week, we'll pick back up and we'll talk about starting conversations, starting conversations. So we'll talk about that next week of how you can start conversations where you can get people engaged. And now you can begin to be salt and light so you can be impactful and able to, you know, get a relationship going or get something going where you can, you know, give them a, a, a card from the church to invite them or just being a witness to them. So we'll talk about that next week, how we can start getting conversations going. Amen? Yes, sir. We'll talk about that a little bit next week. We'll, 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 we'll talk about that because there are people like you. Everybody in here. There are people like you out there. And your personality attracts them. So I'll start by just telling you we need to pray. This is why it's important to pray and say, Lord, the heart that you have prepared, lead me to them. Lord, the person that is seeking you, lead me to them. The person, Lord God, that are frustrated and confused and need an answer, lead me to them. And God will lead you to them because you're, you all are probably doing the same thing. So, for instance, Brother Bradley, I go to Starbucks, well, sacred coffee. So I, I'm, 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 I'm cheating on Starbucks a little bit. And so there's a place in Princeton called Sacred Coffee. I kind of, yeah, they're kind of nice. And so... I will go there and they have more look like they have they seem to get the the working people in there more than they do than Starbucks do. And so if I was an introvert, all I would have to do is show up with my laptop and sit down. Cuz that's all they do in there. You show up, everybody's in the corner with their laptop. Nobody's really talking. 
You don't see people conversating there in the corner, working away. And so an introvert, all you would have to do is just show up with your computer, working away. Sooner or later, there's going to be an opportunity to connect. And sometimes, even as introverts, you ready for it? And remember what I said, sacrifice. You wait till they go up to buy their coffee. And as soon as they get up to buy their coffee, you're watching. They get in line, you get up and get behind them. They go up to the register, order their coffee. Soon they pull their credit card. Excuse me, I'll take care of that. Got to use your resource. That's what I'm saying. It's not, this is not easy. But we can do it if we're in tune with it. Problem is we're so locked in on ourselves and what we want. We don't do these things. But if you can be an introvert and still be powerful, you can be an extrovert and be powerful. It's just about asking God to direct you and lead you to where you got to go and the people that you need to encounter. And with your personality, remember, don't change your personality. This is why I told you earlier, be authentic you. And with your personality, you will be able to, 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 to connect with someone in some way, shape, or form and begin to talk to them, have things in common, which is what we'll talk about next week. But you don't have to worry about being an introvert or extrovert. That, that's not it because the church is filled with introverts and extroverts. So God needs your personality. Yes, Sister Sharon. And, 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 and we, we put a lot of, we put a lot of restriction on ourselves with time. That's probably the most challenging thing that goes unsaid about why it's so difficult to reach people in the Northeast. We are, we are so filled with, we're so driven in the Northeast. Like everything we do is about time. I got to get here by this time. I got to get this done. It's time. And if you go anyplace else in the world, different. I'll give you a quick, easy example. I'm thinking about something. When you go to Europe and you have dinner and you're done eating, the waiters don't bring the check to you until you ask. If you sit there all night and talk, they will not bring you the check. Don't try that in the Northeast. After two hours, you getting out of my station. You getting up out of this table because I got a receipt. You getting out of here. 
But they won't bring you the check in Europe until you say, hey, I'll take the check. I remember Nicole and I was there, and I'm like, don't they see that we're done? Somebody should be bringing my check. They never brought it until I said, can I have the check? They're not in any rush is the point. You don't get a slice of pizza over there. You got to order pizza, sit down. Whatever meal you're ordering, it's a meal. You sit down and eat. They're not in any rush. We are the ones, I'm telling you, let this be a revelation that up in this area here, this D.C., Boston area here, we are intense and we are moving and we don't have time for anything or anybody but what we're doing. That's why it's so hard. It's not all the other stuff. Every place else, people kind of conduct their life in a way where time is not, you know, just, just, just choking them. In this area, time is choking us, boy. Choking us. It's always something going on that we need to get to and attend to. Time is choking away everything in our life up here. And if we're going to be effective for God, we cannot live that life. We have to let. And the only way how to do it. So I'm telling you about it. and I'm not telling you how to do it. How to do it is we got to take some things off our plate. That's not important that we have considered important. We have things in our life that we say it's important. But it's really not important. And we need to get those off our plate so we can uh, begin to be a, a lot more casual with our time, you know, kind of looking and, and, and paying attention to what God can do because we're not in a hurry to get to the next thing. We're not in a hurry to get to this place and, 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 and to this activity so we can live our life where we're not in a hurry. And that's what has been happening to me working from home um, in, the, in the daytime. I, I drive into Princeton because I'm not in a hurry. I feel like when I go up to the Robbinsville Starbucks or the one over here, I feel like I'm just hitting it to come right back home. Like, like you know, just so regimented. But when I take my time and I get dressed in the morning and I drive up to Princeton, I don't feel like I'm rushing. I feel like I'm paying attention and I'm looking to do something for the Lord. So that's why I'm encouraging you, get some things off your plate and take your time and go, go a different route. And see what's going on. Say, God, open my eyes to see something. And we'll go from there. We are salt and we are light, church. But we can't hide the light and we can't stay away from people. Because if we stay away, the salt will not be effective. And if we hide the light, the light will not be effective. So we have to move forward by letting the light shine and be in close proximity to people so the salt can do what it does. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Let's apply the word of God. I hope it was practical. Again, strategic, but practical. That's what I hope to accomplish in this. That we will, have, we will be strategic in what we're trying to do for the Lord, but it will be practical. Just like I said to Brother Bradley, if you can work from home, everything is mobile now. Go sit in one of those coffee houses just for half the day and work from there and, and pay attention to what's going on and see if God will do something where you can be a witness. Take some church cards with you. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and for just speaking to our hearts and directing us in your ways. Lord, we are grateful that we are reminded that we are salt and we are light. And oh God, let what has been spoken tonight resonate 
Let it take up root in our heart, Lord God, and begin to grow. Father, as we said at the outset of this beginning of the Bible study, Lord God, we want to apply the word of God in our life. We want to be the living epistle that we're supposed to be, Lord. So as the word take root and grow, we want it, oh God, to just manifest that, Lord, we will be the light and shine bright, that we will be the salt and be in close proximity to be able to minister, to be able to be your witness, to be able to provide hope, Lord God. I pray tonight that every word spoken according to your will will manifest in our life, Lord God, that we will go forth in the name of Jesus to do thine will. Father, help us, Lord, to remove the things out of our life that are that are hindrances to us serving you and pleasing you. Lord, remove the hindrances, oh God, and show us the weights that easily beset us that we can unload and unburden those weights, Lord God, that easily beset us, I pray tonight, Lord God, that you will show us the weights, oh God, that's weighing us down. I pray that you will show us so we can remove them, Lord God, and help us, Father, to be vigilant, to be so over, to be attentive, Lord God, wherever we go, whatsoever we're doing, Lord God, help us to be in tune with you, Lord God, and being led, almighty God, by your spirit, that, Lord, your will be done, your kingdom come, and, Lord, the souls that are lost, oh God, they can know your way and be saved and be delivered. Lord, I know your return is at hand, and, Lord, I want to be used by you. We want to be used by you uh, to reach the lost. Uh, Lord, you said this gospel must be preached in all the world. Then the end shall come. Uh, Father, the end, Lord God, uh, is the greatest beginning of eternity for us and what awaits us for eternity. Oh God, eyes have not seen nor ears heard nor has entered into the heart of man what God has in store for us. And so, Lord, we wait upon, Lord God, your return. Oh, God, with great expectation. And so, Lord, whatsoever we can do to share this gospel, to be the light, and to be your witness, use us, Almighty God, that we're able to do it, Lord God, and that we're able, oh God, to speed up the time of your return, because the soul of men have responded to being saved to the gospel that's being preached. Oh God, have your way. We are vessels and instruments. We don't have, Lord God, the ability, but you, Lord God, can do that which needs to be done. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God, we humble ourselves before you tonight and we surrender to say, let your will be done and let your kingdom come. Continue, Lord, to regurgitate the word of God in our soul and spirit that we're able to do your will. Have your way tonight Lord God. As we go from service tonight oh God we pray that you will help us to retain all that we need to retain. Bless and keep us Lord. Let your face shine upon us and be gracious to unto us as we give you the praise, the honor and the glory. In Jesus name we pray. Come on, let's thank the Lord with a hand clap of praise tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name.
Thank you, Lord. God bless you, church. Thank you for being with us tonight. If you have something to give to the building fund, please do. Have a great rest of your evening.